on this episode of AV Week, should the Mondo Pad be concerned about the Microsoft Surface Hub? How exactly are we interacting in our huddle spaces? Plus, whether or not you want to win that high-profile job. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Chief. This is AV Week, episode 259, recorded Friday, August 12th, 2016. Olympic AV. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us this fine Friday. Uh, first and foremost, ladies first, Penny Sittler from Draper, also head of the Women in Infocom Council. How are you, ma'am? Doing well. Thank you. Also, Pleasure with, to be here. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, also with us is Mr. John Green from Advanced AV. Hello, sir. Afternoon. Also, also a Cedia Tweep. So, in a, oh, don't! It's cool. It's it's it's, it's no, I love it. I actually I actually love it. I just gotta do the work that they ask me. You have to do work. Yes, I, I owe them. You do. You you yes. owe Miss Olivia something, at least a tweet or two. Uh, we'll get John's code if you're going to CDS. You can register for free. Oh, uh, you're gonna make me look down. Uh, <laughs> I, I give it, I'm giving you a half an hour for that. Uh, also, uh, my buddy and pal and and then a a. An accidental friend, and I'll explain that in a second, but his name is Dan Newman. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well, and, and I'm very excited about my new role as accidental friend. Oh, shut up. <laughs> He's got a new book out. Uh, Dan is probably one of the more prolific writers that I personally know uh, called Building Dragons, and it's a very good book. We actually gave some out at, uh, at Infocom this year on the show floor. So, Just uh, be nice to me, or I'm going to light fire on you. Do you never, you're, not, you're not the dragon. Oh. Well, you know, sometimes you take character when you're very prolific. That's what I understand. All right, so there's um, my stories. All right, let's kick this off. First and foremost, uh, from our friends over at AV Network, um, Enfocus launches the MondoPad Ultra collaboration display. Um, the MondoPad has gone through a couple of different iterations over the last two years. Uh, the in The interactive part, it feels like that they are going after uh, the Microsoft Surface Hub. At least that's what it feels like uh, to me. John, first and foremost, um, should they be? Because since the, the Hub is just now getting installed, I believe the first one shipped in J May or June, and that means the first ones will actually be installed sometime in July and August of this year. So is that a product they should even worry about yet? The... The discussion with uh, with our clients has been certainly around collaboration. It's been around interactive touch. However, there is a definite hesitation in the corporate space for anybody to leave a meeting table and go up and touch a board. Everybody talks about it. Everybody installs it. Uh, it's got to be included in, in the build, but there's not an active use of it. So I'm not saying that 
whether you need a Microsoft Hub or you need an InFocus, it's not actively being utilized. So do they have to rush? No. Are they being where we've seen success within focus in the Mondo pad and that offering has been in education, where it's already in the workflow where the teachers and or the students are interacting with the technology in the front of a room. In a corporate space, it's not happening. It's not happening in, in general or just the Mondo pad specifically is not happening? I think that it's not happening in general. Okay. I, uh, um, you know, I, there's, a, there's an absolute need for people to gather around and collaborate, but it's still within human beings. And then when they have to step outside of that, they're just not going to the board to do it. And even on a smart, even on a smart board, it's an interactive device that you're going to go up and touch. They're not doing it. Okay. They're, they're touching with their phones. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're using the small screens. They're interacting that way. They're pushing the information up to the screen, but they're not leaving their chairs. They're just not doing it. Interesting. And that actually brings in a, a different product altogether and things like Mersive where it's, you know, you can connect various devices. Yep. I use Mersive, but you get the one that talk about off the, off the top of my head, but it, other sure. other devices as well. Right. That you can take, click share. Yeah. Click share. Um, Crestron has an offering. Crestron has one. AMX has one. A number of people yep. have one where you can take your device and, and throw it up and, and interact yep. that way. So. Uh, Dan, from your from your perspective, and, and understand, Dan was a uh, head of an integration firm. Now he does a lot of marketing um, for technology companies and, and things of that nature. From your standpoint, take a look at both sides of this, from the integration standpoint and folks who sell this stuff and is trying to get this in there, and the other side is is marketing against a, a product that's just now installing. Well, one of the things I try to do is I try to analyze behavior and I try to look at how how people interact so John made some good points at the end there and it's John so they may have rolled off your you know rolled right off of you but you know maybe if I reiterate what John said what we're dealing with right here you know nothing but love buddy he's like I'm already checking my email see this is the way people behave so <laughs> what we really have to look at is is it's a behavior issue right you know, you can start with the macro trends that are going on, Tim. You go to, you know, even when we're at events, large events, you go to Infocom and everybody gathers in one place so we can all stare at our phones together. Um, this is very similar to the trend that's going on in, in conference rooms and meeting rooms. Yep. The way people are going to interact with technology really comes back to the mobile device. And what I mean by that is screens primarily are for information consumption not information interaction until the information interaction becomes something that's friendly to the device. And what I mean by that is like, you know, how digital signage has now evolved. And I'm, I'm trying to get back to the Mondo pad quickly, Tim. So, but how the, You're fine. the digital signage has evolved because what's happened is you're starting to see sensors and near field and RFID and different ways that people can use their personal device to interact with a bigger and larger format screen. People want to be able to personalize the experience. And what happens is when you have one centralized device, okay, that you're asking everybody to share, the experience goes from being highly personalized. 6161. Dennis, 6161. It goes from being a highly personalized experience to being something that's kind of shared and kind of, as John said, unlikely to be utilized. Um, and that's kind of, it's like even the huddle room, right? It's just even the way the huddle room gets used. So, you know, I guess my take as someone that's kind of looking at the way tech is evolving and the way people use tech is evolving is I would say 
it is relevant and it is going to be utilized, but I think it may end up being relevant and utilized more because AV will push it into the enterprise. They will sell other people who buy into it than it is in terms of use case. I'm, I'm much more excited about the, the immersive or the click share or any technology that basically allows you to embrace BYOD. And if you want to throw something up on a bigger screen, that's great, but people don't need the big screen anymore. They have the screen right in front of them. All right, very good. Uh, Miss Penny, from your standpoint, and again, from the marketing standpoint, um, if John and, and, and Dan is right, it, it, the fact that we're using smaller screens and we're not <laughs> interacting with these large suckers, whether it's the Mondo pad, whether it's the Surface Hub, I guess the best way to ask this is, is how are we going to get folks to do it if they're not already naturally doing it? Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's a great question. I see a lot of people getting a little bit scared of the tech and when it's tech that they have to touch in front of a group I think they're going to be certain of them are going to be real scared um, I we're using uh, should I name drop in in-house we're using Crestron Air Media right. and that's <clears throat> even even that's a little tricky for some people as easy as it is so uh, yeah. Well, and here's the other thing with, with that. I'm not looking for it. <laughs> yeah, here's the other thing is, is you've got folks like somebody, uh, John mentioned the Barco ClickShare. Barco ClickShare, you have, a, you have a physical device. And, and all of these, understand all the things that we've talked about that, that came out of this conversation, the, the Air Media, the, the immersive, all of them are our own personal devices being put onto a big screen. Yes. It's not what the Mondo Pad is. It's not what the Surface Hub is. So what we are normally and naturally doing, back to Dan's point, what we are naturally doing is using our own devices. And these folks are coming out with, the, with, with products and marketing and, and trying to get folks and, and all kinds of, of hoopla over devices that aren't our own and asking us to break our natural tendency, again, back to Newman's point, um, break our natural tendency and go up and interface with something that's not ours. Right. Well, so again, you, you go back to let's say the smart board. There was a natural tendency for a teacher to walk up with a piece of chalk and interact with the technology, which was a chalkboard. Okay, and it, it just that was the workflow. That's not the workflow that you and I have. We just don't go up to a chalkboard. I mean, we're literally either talking across the, the table from each other, or just simply, you know, as as Dan had described, putting it up on a large screen and gathering it as consumption, and then continuing to talk about it. I don't think that there's anything that there has to be an application because that's the other key to the success of smart was it was the software it wasn't the board yeah. it was the ability to you know have lessons and there was a reason to interact with the smart board because that's where the software was and maybe that's where the hub has it maybe that's a little bit of what's in focus has but it's not Again, I speak only from my own markets. It's not. It's not. There's not a killer application that's going to make me walk up to a Mondo button. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that I would use it for, and again, there's a lot of other features. I mean, again, I could use it as a large screen because it's a beautiful size. It's the right size, and I'm going to use it for teleconferencing. The fact that I don't utilize two or other three of its options or what it's capable of doing doesn't mean it's a bad idea or a bad product. I just. But don't it might it. be at a bad price though, because of those other two, two offerings. Yes, that's that's true. Yeah, all right. But 
you know, but it's not. I, it's price competitive to the Microsofts. Oh, it definitely is. Definitely is. But again, we're we're talking about you know, again, the features of the of the hub and the features of the Mondo Pad may be overkill for what we're actually utilizing them for, and not just us, but what our clients are. If I, I can make a sure. If I was to say, John, if I can make a little bit of an analogy, though, here. Remember when telepresence rooms first came on the scene? Cisco, right. Polycom, sure. three big screens, custom yep. furniture. Right. There Million was an dollars. application for it, and it was in limit, and, and the companies were looking at capitalizing on a certain market opportunity that was that took place. This is a little bit of a microcosm of that, is there are these limited applications, and I think Microsoft can capitalize. They've got this enterprise relationships. They can, they've got all these companies that want to outfit these pretty fancy technology-rich rooms, right. and so they're going to end up shoving them in there, but it's going to be what those rooms were. Everyone's going to wind up still doing the collaboration on their mobile and on their iPad and on their desktop, and then they're going to have all these fancy rooms that they go, you know, they're going to be technology write-downs I, I I don't disagree with you, but I got to tell you, Dan, you and I have talked about this in many many cases too. It's simplification and standardization, and it, and I think the DN users are tired of that. They might have a room off in the corner to say, "Hey, look how big, bad, and ugly we are," because they have a Microsoft hub, but that's not the trend. And, <laughs> I, mean, and the, I, I think that the application of this stuff, I mean, the actual usage and application of this stuff, is really overdriving it. And it's like we we don't need all that. We need technology. We don't need that. That's happening an awful lot. All right, very good. Uh, let's move on to something a little less low, low, low tech. Yeah, a little less tech. How about that? Uh, and that's indoor air quality. Uh, it's a blog by uh, our, our good friends at Draper. Um, Penny's here, um, and she they reference um, Julie Jacobson uh, our, uh, from CE Pro, talking about another way that people uh, that integrators can make revenue. Right, uh, one of the things that. Um, that just the industry in general is trying to look for new profit centers. Julia references the, the indoor air, air quality. Draper took that idea and said, okay, we can help with that. Um, there's something called volatile organic compounds, and, and Benny, I'm going to make you explain that in a second. Um, here's the thing, though. The, the first question is, and, and to Penny, how can a manufacturer help integrators first of all understand what this is and secondly how can they how can you help them use this as a as a as a unique selling proposition yeah, well, um, air quality is a ongoing issue it's all about the um, the space that we're all in and it's affected by the products around us and especially when you have a lot of things like uh, plastics and vinyls, you can have some really nasty off-gassing. It also happens a lot with you know, carpets and wall coverings and the adhesives and so forth. So um, several years ago, actually, we had a number of our products evaluated to see whether they were putting nasty stuff into the air. And as a result, we had many of our screen surfaces and many of our window covering materials certified under uh, a certification called GreenGuard. That was originally called uh, GreenGuard, the children in schools level. Now they call that GreenGuard Gold. But the idea is that these materials put off so little um, that they'll have little or no impact on even uh, even like children with serious allergies 
and so forth. So it's, it's a very high standard for what it does to the air. Um, really nice thing when you're in a space that's filled with Green Guard products, even if it's pretty new, you usually don't notice some of those funny chemical smells that you would see in another space. So, John, from taking off of that and, and utilizing some things that, that Penny and other people have done to make sure that their products are Green Guard, how do you use that? Can you use that when you're going in and pitching a new system? Well, I was going to ask Penny a couple of questions. I mean, one of the things is, is who's the client? I mean, is it is it a case of obviously in new buildings you would probably want to investigate with the architect and see if that's even a pressing issue for them. But I, I would imagine that you know, going back and talking about to schools about retroing any of the existing conditions. Uh, we always, you know, when you're ever, whenever you're talking to a customer, you want to expand the conversation. I mean, this is this could certainly be an underlying pain point that you're not aware of, and it's just walking right past. So first off, you got to be you got to be a little bit of a, an evangelist and let everybody know that there is this issue. Are they aware of it? Is it a concern for them? But Penny, is that who you're? I mean, who are you marketing to? Who are you driving this to? The product. Yeah, the original um, driver was the architectural audience. Okay. As they seek to build sustainable buildings, they're very concerned about the quality of the air. Right. And um, became an issue. It was a um, first place we were seeing it was as a source for points in lead accreditation for okay, buildings. Okay, so, so it falls under that. Okay, good. Okay. Yep. Um, there are other standards for sustainable buildings and they all pay some attention to the quality of the indoor air. Right. Today, so it, this, it, is, this is a way you can contribute to that. It's right. also a growing issue in schools and healthcare settings. And rehab, refurbs type of a situation? I mean, do you go back and try to say, you have 100 screens, but this is the issue? Would they, or is that market open to that kind of a changeover? Or are they going to wait till the new building gets built? Well, I imagine that in your rehab, refurb situation, right. you've probably got a bigger problem with outdated technology. Right. You're, you're looking at a building with four three screens, and you're probably not going to put four three projection. Right. on those screens. Right. So that's a bigger, more compelling reason to right. change out the screens. What, uh, and, and, and on this, I have to answer right off on air here. Is, it, is there a premium for it? Is this basically something that you built into the product and the process going forward for, for your company? Um, a lot of our most popular surfaces are GreenGuard certified without any premium. And that's it's, great. It's, it's, on the, it's just the, a selling the, point okay. for you. Well, and great. really quickly on that, on, on your website or on, on the spec sheet, is it listed there? Yes. Okay, perfect. All right, Mr. Newman, uh, grab me a wrap, wrap around this, and, and not just the, the green garden and the air quality stuff, but Penny mentioned the, the lead. I guess the best way to ask this is, are we still concerned? Can we can we still help with lead, or is that is has that been taken out of the AV in, in, integrator's hands at this point? I think like every evolution that takes place in an industry, a few integrators have glommed onto that and done a very, very good job, and the rest have probably sunk in the quicksand of it because it's something that's outside of their wheelhouse and they don't fully become educated and learn what it means. And you know, lead is really a it's 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 a it's an ideology for companies. It's a it's a governance and compliance uh, standard. It's 
a corporate social responsibility play that companies want to get in, that they want to sell, that they're better to the earth than other companies potentially in their industries. So I think like everything else, I think that's a conversation that depends where in the strategic uh, ecosystem you live with your particular client. So, you know, if you're dealing with, uh, you know, chief marketers and, uh, you know, high level executives in a company and you're part of their strategy. So if you're, if you really are the consultant to these companies, I think leads still could have a play. Um, but I think as a whole, one of the challenges with our industry is we've just lived too far down the food chain and we've always been selling at the level of fulfillment instead of selling at the level of vision and strategy. And that's where we're going to be more and more challenged across the board. And I don't want to be constantly this disruptor, but in the, in the age of digital transformation, right, what's ending up happening is technology is just becoming inherently part of our lives. It used to be something that was outside. You used to like walk into a room and notice it. Now with IoT and where we're going with technology, everything is, is connected. Everything is part of technology. Everything we do, we're connected 24 hours a day. We're measuring data. And so I guess the story kind of comes down to is lead is strategic, just like everything else. And then what every integrator needs to say is what is our strategy going in? Where do we live inside of this business ecosystem? Are we here to fulfill a need for a new room installation? Or are we here to help guide companies into the future and understanding how we're going to connect, communicate, and collaborate? And beyond using those three words on your business card, what value do you really offer? Yeah, I think the subject matter is, is again, it's it's something that you, you expand your conversation with, you expand your capabilities and trying to understand what their pressing issues are. Uh, that's really important. So when you talk about this and lead, you should be capable of talking about the subject pretty openly for sure and, and, again, I, and, and, and the other thing is is that I it never requires an, an exact answer you might say are you concerned about air quality and know that in the back pocket you've got a draper solution but that's never going to come into the conversation the topic of green guard and air quality is what's really going to be the value that you're going to present yourself to the client it really depends on who you're dealing with. Penny hit it on the head. If you're dealing with architects, yes. they have certain goals and requirements. See, architects are dealing with the issue of lead. When a company's thinking about doing a lead project, they are talking to the designer, the architect, about that requirement. Then it ends up flowing down to the integrator through the design, build, bid expectation. We are shooting to be a gold lead or silver lead or Platinum. whatever lead we want to be. Right. And then it goes, which parts of your installation are going to add to our lead point requirements? And you're going to be needing to point that out. Um, if air quality, you know, and this comes down to really a, you know, Penny, maybe uh, this will help your marketing story. I don't know. Um, but this really comes down to the future of the workplace. This comes down to companies that are thinking about happier employees. You know, I'm working right now, our, our new analysis firm is working on a report about gamification and the future of employee engagement and talking about participation in the workplace and how you make people still want to come to work in an age where you really don't ever need to go to an office to do what 95% of us do. And it's really going to come down to the quality and things like air quality, things like being in a place that smells good, play, things like a clean toilet. I mean, it sounds arbitrary now. But this stuff matters to people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 
the, there's been some studies with them on the millennials, right? And everyone talks about millennials and it's like this big deal right now. But is that the vast majority of them, it was like over 80% of them said they would take time off or remote work over more money. Yep. Both of it's those became priorities. Of, it's quality of life and quality of work. So, I mean, I think the bottom line is the story. The problem is, is will the AV integrator tell the story in a way or will they just start spitting out specs like, oh, we're green guard. And that's like, what does that even mean? And, right. You know, and that's the thing is the story is we're creating environments that make work more satisfactory. Right. Through there's our so technology. Much, and there's so much that rolls into that, too. I mean, there's, there's a lot of technology that we saw that rolls into that story thread. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. We find that there are a dozen ways that our products support workplace productivity. And even a 1% increase in the productivity of a workplace is big money. It absolutely is. All right, uh, last story. Energy savings and advantages like that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, last story here, guys, before I let you get out of here. Uh, the Olympics uh, are happening this week. Uh, and this is one of those nice cross-cultural things that we get to talk about from time to time. Uh, because regardless of where you're listening at, listening to uh, AV Week, uh, your your country most likely is participating. Uh, for the U.S. broadcast, uh, we have uh, the wonderful NBC uh, Olympic coverage, and uh, NBC is using Audio Technica to enable quote unquote to enable NBC to capture and monitor audio for 5.1 surround sound. Nothing necessarily talk about the uh, Audio Technica mics nor NBC's coverage. Uh, but Dan, first and foremost to you. Whether you're Audio Technica or years ago it was Sony, which was which was the the main provider for cameras and things of that nature. As a, a manufacturer or as an integrator, how do you get yourself attached to jobs like this? To jobs like like the Olympics, the Olympics, like the Olympics, like the World Cup, like you know, these big massive you know undertakings. Well, I think I think you know. I never, I just want to preface this, I never had a job that big in our world. You know, we did some very, very large staging jobs and stuff because our company, United Visual, we did have a big staging division, but it was never anything quite quite that size. We did the Harley, uh, the big Harley Fest every year, Summer Fest up in Wisconsin. Um, but for instance, something as large, I, I think one, it's it's a focus and commitment to your trade. You know, I think in a lot of in a lot of businesses, right, there's, there's especially like staging, right, there's half a dozen staging companies that are known throughout the US and they're just known because it's what they can do if they can get that concert thrown up I mean in terms of attaching yourself to this part of it is also it's like having the will to do it I, I gotta say like you've got to want to do that and then have like the, it's you know what I'm saying John's laughing you can't see I don't know if you're watching or listening but if you can see this he's laughing at me because it's kind of like winning that five million dollar AV bid you know now, yeah. it's, now the best, it's the best thing in the world until you have to start doing the work Every salesman knows that. It's that great feeling the day you get the contract, and then literally you'll wake up in the middle of the night about three to five days later, and you look at the ceiling, and you go, oh, my <laughs> effing Lord, what did I get myself into? And because you realize that a project of this size, you just the number of things that can go wrong, the number of challenges. So I think it's, it's an incredible amount of expertise, Tim. It's a dedication in tra to your trade and to your craft. I think... Um, most integrators that's so far above their pay grade to try to run it, it really is um so there's so much complexity and the companies that do that very well i think are highly specialized 
They take training and education very, very seriously, and they're very, very close to vendors. Close, and obviously the one last piece. Yeah, how do you get into that, Tim? You've got really good and usually very old relationships in all the right places. Yeah. All right, John, you you were you were chuckling at this. I, I, well, hang on. Just, I, I've been, I've been around long enough to know. No. <laughs> No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. And, 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 you know, we've, we've, we've had conversations where somebody says, we're going to give you an opportunity to do $5 million worth of business with us. And I'm like, exactly what Dan says. You may want to, but at that, what are you going to get from it? I mean, the conversation starts with, what's your donation? And the donation is time and money, and, and it's expanded over a long, even to start the sale for the Olympics next year or the next four years, that started about a month ago. Well, you know, the, the reason I ask because so so these these Olympics, if if those of you sure. with, with shorter memories, uh, Chicago was was up for the 2016 Olympics for for about you know two or three right. years. It, they were in the process. So I'm looking at Dan. I'm looking at Penny, who is you know eh, roughly the same distance from Chicago to me. Um, that could have been a a, a job had the, the Chicago won the Olympics. That you know, Dan is right there in the middle of it. That that's where United Visual was was located with Chicago. You're right. within you know throwing distance, so you could have gotten technically thrown in there. But Penny's right there, right at, as a, as a manufacturer. Right. And and whether it's five million dollars or your or the ability to have an article written about your product, being associated with with the Olympics, yes, it's a lot of work. But isn't it is it is it not worth it from a marketing standpoint and from a, a no? Okay. I, I don't I don't see it. I, I, just to have the Olympic badge attached to it is it's got a shelf life. You know, and you might have six months before the Olympics occur. You might have a memory of three months afterwards. We don't even know. If Sony did Sony do the Olympics last time? Did Panasonic do the Olympics last time? Nobody remembers. Nobody remembers Everybody that. knows that. Let's say somebody like a brand like McDonald did every Olympics for a long time, and it's just you have to have a deep pocket. And again, you have to have the relationships because let's say that it did happen in Chicago. If it's going to be Draper and it's going to host all the screens, they're going to have to have a partnership of Dan's company, my company, somebody else's company to get the work done. So it's a shared responsibility. And it goes back to what Dan said is, is that you got to have that pride. Hey, look, this is what we did. But I'm not sure there's a return on it. I mean, even cities are looking at it right now going, there's no possible way that they're going to recover from the amount of money oh, yeah. that they spent. Well, that city's in big trouble, and I don't want to get into an economic discussion right, right now. But uh, but Rio is in. I was going to say trouble. Chicago or Rio, because Chicago's well, in Chicago's trouble too. <laughs> in no, I don't. I don't actually. I live in Naperville. I'm a West Suburb. I was say you. You forget. Boy. I pay the same taxes you do, buddy, to support that that yes, wonderful metropolis. Thank you. We appreciate you. Down yeah, I'm there sure you in do. The, in the states, but you're also a Cardinals fan. But you know, Penny, let me ask you a question real quickly. Um, you guys probably don't do it for the Olympics, but you often get pulled into things now where you're getting promised exposure and PR. If you give us a screen, if you let us use, you know, uh, these shades, right, for this event, like we're going to put you on our little banner. Like the, in, in the age of such fractured attention and people never really looking at anything for very long anymore, is that still good marketing? Are you guys still catching yourselves really buying into that as a, as a marketing tactic? We have to be pretty selective about those opportunities. We do occasionally see something that we think would be worthwhile, but it's usually about a really targeted audience. It's not just about the huge, broad crowd that will be in attendance. It's trying to get a hold of one specific type of buyer or one specific type of specifier. 
Yep. Very good. All right, that will be the last word that we have for for this week. Thank you so much, Miss Penny Settler. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. How do people get a hold of you and or Draper? Well, you can always go to our website, draperinc.com. You can tweet us at draperinc or at draperav. And you can just look us up and telephone us off that phone number on the website. All right, very good. And if they're interested in joining the Women in, in uh, Infocom Committee, uh, um, uh, Volunteer Committee, how do they do that? Yeah, we have a sign-up page on the Infocom website. I'd suggest just going to the site and searching Women in Infocom. We also have a new initiative that we're just starting to talk about, Career Empowerment Alliances. Those will be circles um, that women can join. And there's an opportunity to sign up for those on the Infocom site as well. Very good. Mr. Newman, thank you, sir. I appreciate it, buddy. How do people get a hold of you or one of your 15 companies? Oh, my goodness. Um, I love talking to people on Twitter, so check me out. It's my name, Daniel Newman, the UV at the end, Daniel Newman UV. And check out my new company, Futurum Research. It's an analysis and research firm focused entirely on digital transformation. We just launched a report on seven core technologies driving digital transformation, and it's free right now. It's a $3,000 report, 50 pages on the, the future of digital transformation. Futurum, F-U-T-U-R-U-M dot X-Y-Z, free report. Check it out. Love to hear from you. Come talk to me on the Twitters. Mm, very good. And Mr. Green, sir, thank you, sir. Uh, always good. You're going to find me at CD at 10. Yes. I'm going to be there September 13th to the 17th. I'll be wandering around the floor with my Twitter handle on the 15th to the 17th. So you can get me always on my Twitter handle, J Green S I X, like the number, and always find me at advancedav.com. Right, very good. Uh, and also, if I mentioned the fact that, that Dan's written like two dozen books, uh, his latest one is called Building Dragons. Uh, it's on uh, Amazon, at least that's where I got it. So it's still on Amazon, correct? I don't, I don't, yeah, you got one too, John, and I don't give them away, so. Uh, no, I, he doesn't. I'm I had to pay for every single one I gave away to Infocom. You did, but I, I did give you one when I met you for breakfast. You did. You it was very nice. He didn't sign it. He, he, he charged me 50 bucks to You know, it's funny. That was my reaction, too. I got to get it signed before I read the first page of it. Well, yeah. I've, I've read it. It's very good. Um, Looking forward to it. spending the weekend doing Drag, it. Dragons versus unicorns. And if you don't know what a unicorn is, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a uh, one-in-a-lifetime um, tech company that you can make a billion dollars are over and, and Dan talks about building dragons instead of unicorns. So it's good Love stuff. Thanks for the extra promotion, buddy. Um, and was, no better way to spend a Friday than talking to you three. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, don't follow me on, on the Twitters. I typically complain. At this point, I'm complaining about the Bears, uh, who were horrible last night in, in preseason action. So uh, but go by the website, if you would, please, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others. Have a brand-new uh, residential show. It's this AV week, only it's talking about the residential stuff. That happens typically every Monday. John mentioned uh, Cedia. We will also be going to Cedia as part of that. Uh, we will have our, our world-famous tweet-up uh, the Thursday of Cedia um, uh, from 4 to 6 o'clock on, on Thursday. So... Uh, check us out there and check us out at the website, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. This has been AV Week.